0: Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 153 of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose.
1: And I'm Robert Shea.
0: I wonder if we could ever create a fed heads hall of fame like for people who have just really achieved the highest levels of excellence and greatness in the government i know gov exec has the government hall of fame that's that is already a thing so i don't want to try to steal that but i wonder if we could do our own hall of fame because i have a a nominee for induction into that
1: i'm all for it i think the that we don't do enough recognizing excellence in public service. The the people who would appear on that list um, in this program's context are a particular breed of cat. So I'm I think I think we got a niche here you've created, Francis, and I'm all for it. All
0: right, one of those cats, one of those cats, man, uh, <laughs> who would be in that hall of fame is Chris MIM, no longer. At the Government Accountability Office, congratulations on your retirement, Chris. And we talked to you; we buttered you up a little bit, to be honest, uh, before we started recording. But I have every encounter that I've had with you in the fifteen so or years or so that I've been in this space. I've learned something every time, and I have learned one of the things that I learned is that the American people were well served by the work that you did at GAO, and it's just delightful to talk to you for the first time in your post GAO career what attracted you to the government management and government reform business originally when you went to GAO
2: first of all thank you Francis and Robert it's just Great to be here with uh, two good friends and two people I've long, you know, admired and on federal management issues and learned an awful lot from you. And it's a a particular going out honor in my career to be considered for the 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 Fed heads uh, Hall of Fame there that uh, because I am, uh, you know, as they they say on talk radio, a longtime listener, but first first time appearing here. But so (laughs) thank you very much Uh, in in terms of the, um, the the attractiveness to management in my career is that, you know, like like everyone else, there's a whole series of kind of policy issues that I that I care about in kind of my personal life and, and um, but if for anything that we want to achieve, you know, any any big or small thing in a in a public sense, it's only going to be achieved through effective governance. And so I've been just absolutely interested in 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 meeting with and, and helping agencies think about how do they they make sure that they have the capabilities in place the processes in place the focus on results in place so that they can deliver on the, the promises that they make that they can deliver on on the whole reason that that people voted for you know a particular administration um and so it's it's all been about making sure that we have effective governance in order to achieve the outcomes we want in a society
1: so you've seen a lot in your tenure i i often tell people when i got responsibility for overseeing the performance management framework of the federal government it gave me a phd in the makeup of the executive branch and working with you 25 years ago you you were sort of my teacher i don't want to date you too badly Chris, no, but, <laughs> you're dating um, yourself. <laughs> you, 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 you know you, you started with the general accounting office right. which became the government accountability office what are some of the big rocks that you worked on during this storied career, because you really are an icon, you, you're looked up to by people at the highest levels of government. Your wisdom drives policy, both in the Congress and in the executive branch. What are the big rocks that you worked on during that long career?
2: Well, I think it's there are a number. And, and first, thank you, Robert. You know, you're very kind and generous in your comments. There is that. There, there's a there's several things that. that kind of a throughout my career, I've really spent a lot of time focusing on. One is is where you and I first met. Is on the Government Performance and Results Act and later Government uh, GpRA Modernization Act. The whole kind of results-oriented environment, and that's that's helping agencies think about how do they shift the, the the unit of analysis, as it will, from from outputs or the activities they do to the much larger focus on outcomes and results. And that's that's is, as we all know, that's far easier said and done, you know. But it's 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 still very much an ongoing process to get agencies to, to really articulate results, get those theories of change in place, to measure that, to use the, the, uh, the now to use the data, something that, of course that you were instrumental in and is the, the passage of the Evidence Act, you know, from the Evidence-Based Policy Commission, to get those learning agendas in place that we're actually learning and making concrete steps to, to better deliver outcomes. A second area, and it's directly related to that, is, is collaboration across agencies and even levels of government. If you know everything big and important that we care about isn't going to be achieved by you know one agency or program operating alone in isolation it's rather going to be networks and of, of organizations whether it be at the federal level state and local level or with the private sector and not-for-profit sector and so how do you get agencies to both get comfortable and the processes in place to work across organizational boundaries has been a third area um, or a second area a third area for me is of course been the high risk list you know I've been uh, you know quite honored to you know our, our great mutual friend the late George, George Stalkup was really instrumental. He was the, the first person that really helped get that off the ground and in, in a fundamental way, I was able to, to learn from George and, and in some senses take over from him, or at least take over the slot, if not be able to take over his his, his spirit in, in that, um, but to, to try and help agencies continue to make progress on some of these these real, real big and difficult issues. And then kind of on a, in a substantive area that I've spent quite a bit of my time is on the census. You know, I started out working um, very early in my career on the preparations of the 1990 census and then two 2000 2010 and then i had my last congressional hearing on the 2020 census and on the senate side. which became a
1: celebration of your career as well so that um, was awesome to watch
2: yeah senator peters was was very very generous I'm, I'm indebted to him that was very kind of
0: him in all of the work that you've done over the years i think the the thing that you've called attention to over time that surprises me the most is what you just said and that is i i'm reminded when you mentioned the commission on evidence-based Policymaking. we went three consecutive episodes of this podcast without it being mentioned and without robert mentioning that he was on that commission that's never happened happen. before in the history Still of fed Still Still that, that, that he has not mentioned that for three episodes in a row it's amazing it really is incredible so to be serious among those three things that you just mentioned, the one I think you and I have spoken the most about on the radio and on television over the years is a high risk list. Yeah. What is your sense of the difference that the high risk list has made in the years that GAO's produced it that you've been involved with it?
2: Well, a couple of things, Francis, is that one is that, you know, we we as as you all know and that certainly the listeners will know, is that we in GAO track very, very carefully the results of our work. If we're gonna tell other people to focus on results, we better be doing that as, as well. And so um, we know that there's been over the last 15 years, $575 billion in financial benefits from progress addressing high risk areas. And, and that's you know about $38 billion a year. And that's, that's not our number that either comes from the agency and depending on how other agencies, depending on how big it is, it gets audited by the, our inspector general or, or even outside reviewers on that. And so one is just at the, the outcome level, Action and progress on high-risk high-risk areas is is meaningful. Um, second, I think that it's been in, in and it's it, it it goes up and down. But I I think in the best of times, it's been very beneficial in helping both OMB focus its management attention and you know, kind of what are the big issues that it needs to be focusing on within agencies. And we might want to talk about some of that that ebb and flow over time on that because Robert was. Directly involved in one of the real high points on that, um, and then uh, um, and it's also helped Congress, and that's why it comes out every two years at the beginning of each new Congress to kind of set its oversight agenda. I think that within the high risk list, the, the, you know one of the biggest changes that uh, has been originally it was all about waste fraud and abuse and, you know, in, which is important enough, but really, you know, ab- about that um, under a uh, general Dave Walker, he also wanted to expand it to those areas that are that uh, keeping waste, fraud and abuse, but also areas in government that are in need of broad based transformation. And, you know, so that's why strategic human capital management, for example, is on there. It's, it's not, there's not waste fraud and abuse that we're focused on. It's, it's the need to fundamentally reorient and rethink, you know, how we do, you know, federal personnel policy. And so I, I think that that big change and that, that additional focus in what the high-risk area has, been, high-risk program is about is, is one of the big elements of our recent elements as, as well.
0: I'm sure that if it was something that turned out well that Robert was involved in, we'll talk about it at some point during the course of this program. <laughs> yeah. I have every confidence that's the case, Chris.
1: You do want to get a little esoteric.
0: You know, oh, not on this show. No. G-A-O,
1: GAO is, you know, its job is to call out things that aren't going well so that they can be fixed. But you do have a perennially cheerful disposition in the delivery of these messages. And you often try to remind people in some of the most partisan atmospheres that there is still good going on. So there was good going on in the Trump, Obama, Bush, Clinton administrations that you think were worth uh, sharing and that probably had a hard time getting out uh, in light of all the noise that was going on because people really did want to focus on the negative. How did, talk about your perspective on trying to call out what's working in the midst of a really partisan environment in which people really want to focus on what's broken.
2: Well, you know, I think it just beginning with the, the first part of your, your question, there, Robert, about the, the, the source of the optimism is that, you know, I have I have never forgotten, you know, that the that it's difficult and as big and as hairy as some of these issues are, you know, Medicare and proper payments, enforcement of tax laws, you know, DOD weapons acquisition, you know, there are there are good smart, hardworking, dedicated federal employees that are behind those. And and it's you know if we're in there helping them, you know, think about some of the solutions and even identify some of the problems for them, that's great. But it's, it's fundamentally not, you know, these problems don't exist because, you know, feds aren't doing their jobs. You know, that they're, they're, there are, you know, people that are working real, real hard on that. And one of the great things of my career is I've had both the ability and responsibility is to go agency by agency and, you know, all across government and just meet literally thousands of these people that are just doing amazing work all of them, you know, the great majority of them, anonymously, you know, won't be on Fed Heads, you know, won't be on, you know, have an opportunity to be on Francis's show, but they're just doing fantastic stuff, you know, and so that's that's the, the great source of, of optimism that that I've had on that. I think in, in terms of the, the the high risk list, you know, more generally, and in kind of in these in this partisan environment, is that we we've done our very best. To to separate out some of the very difficult policy calls that are, are subject to you know the, to political debate as they should be um, from the types of issues that are on the on the high risk list, which are, are 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 really nonpartisan in nature. Now you know we're not naive. I mean obviously they're different even even on management issues. There there are different you know political takes on on some of the solutions there. Um, but nevertheless, you know, the, fundamentally, we've been, you know, very pleased to see that this this is maybe one of the few areas, especially in the environment that we're in now, where Republicans and Democrats, House and Senate can really come together and say, you know, let's let's figure out a way to, to kind of deal with some of these issues, you know, because it's 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 meaningful in terms of the services that are delivered to the American people in terms of their well-being, in terms of their health, in terms of their safety. Um, and that's something that that we've seen that the, the Congress is is able to work together in order to, to, to bring to Together, and likewise, when the good relationships that we've had with uh, with OMB on this, and and you know here the partisan isn't an R and a D; it's an Article One, Article Two type issue, right? And and so um, even there, you know, we've been able to 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 get together, respecting each other's roles, but then also finding you know finding common ground on how we can make progress on on high risk issues. And so that's that's the great source of the optimism. Good people working hardly, you're know, working very hard on big issues, can make progress, and they do.
0: We are starting to run out of time. It's delightful to spend time with you just like it always is, Chris. Now that you're in retirement, at least from the federal government, what do you miss the most about going to work every day and what are you glad that you never have to deal with again?
2: <laughs> well, st- starting with the, you know what I'll miss the most, and and this this I've known you know this I I knew you know a couple of years ago when I was beginning to think about it. and I've known throughout my career that that's the ability just to to you know interact every single day with just the incredible people that uh, that, that work at the, the Government Accountability Office. You know, and I'm obviously particularly proud of the, the the work that my you know my own team does, strategic issues, and I think they're under exceptional leadership going forward. And so that's you know I have great confidence in that area. Um, but I'm just going to miss them. I mean, the, the cool part of my job is that I got to go to a whole variety of different meetings every day on different types of GAO reports at you know at different stages, and just learn from just incredibly dedicated whip smart people that were doing such important work for the American people and then come home and kind of think about how that all kind of came together. And so that's, uh, I'll just really miss, you know, miss seeing those people, uh, you know, all the time. Um, The part that I won't miss is uh, frankly, what a lot of, you know, people don't miss when they leave their own, I won't miss performance appraisals. I won't miss (laughs) having to make uh, promotion decisions. (laughs) I won't miss budget calls. I won't miss the workforce planning. Um, just because it's it's important work and we you know work real hard to get it right but it's uh, it's the, it's it's also really really difficult <laughs> so i won't miss that part uh, one
1: last question who's your favorite cg
2: they they're all great yeah no <laughs> and, and but you know, the serious answer to that robert is that i think we've been very fortunate is to have exactly the right cg that we needed at that right point in history you know and so when we needed to take the you know this is before me when we needed to take the transition from from compliance and financial audit into pro, into program evaluation and performance audits that was elmer Stotz. when we needed to start focusing on you know kind of broad federal management issues um that was uh, um chuck bowser when we needed to, you know, focus on uh, on on issues of, of, of fundamental transformation, thinking real big, you know, putting the long-term fiscal back on the on the uh, on the, uh, thinking about the long-term fiscal situation, um, that of course was uh, was Dave Walker, and now under Controller General Gene Dodaro, who I've worked with throughout my entire career, and you know. In, just completely indebted to for the any success that, that I've had. We've been incredibly fortunate under under his leadership to to be able to carve out an area where in a very partisan environment where the facts still matter and the voice that we bring to that debate still matters and and is and is used by decision makers on the right and on the left and the R's and the D's in order to make progress on those issues. And so it's it's just been wonderful to you know we've had exactly the right CG for exactly each of our moments. And so that's that's what I think is great. Now, is that you the were, answer? Did I get that right or did perfect? I yeah, you nailed it. That back, you know? we, we will play that <laughs> okay. back for all four of them. Yeah. yeah. But, right.
1: but I just want to before we finish, just say real seriously, you're an institution with one of the great institutions of the federal government. You should be really proud for all you've done. And I'm really grateful for your mentorship and leadership Throughout all the many years we've worked together, uh, the, the, the American people are a lot better served by its government for what you did for them. Robert,
2: that means a lot. That means a lot to me coming from you. Thank you very much.
0: And Thank I will come. just say, in the spirit of a friend of mine who I lost recently and I didn't say things to that I wish I would have, um, I have never spoken to anybody about you in the, all the years that I've been here, I always say, yeah, Chris Mims a great guy, and the response uniformly, universally is, yeah, a great guy. Thank so you. not only have you have you done what you've done with excellence, but you've done it with grace and kindness, and people are really impressed by what you've done, Chris. It's just wonderful to spend some time with you like it always is. It's,
2: it's my pleasure, and thank you very much, Francis. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector,